Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. Uh, I'm your host. I'm going to be sharing the Word of God with you. And you're going to church today with people all over the world. This Cyber Church broadcast goes into every nation on the on planet Earth. And I'm telling you what, I am so thankful that we are having this opportunity to do exactly what the Bible says we should be doing at, at this juncture in history. And that is taking this gospel, by this gospel, I mean the gospel that Jesus preached, uh, this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. I want to tell you, as we take the gospel that Jesus taught about the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Some phenomenal things are going to happen. Number one, people are going to become equipped to understand what the authority of God is really like for the believer. Therefore, they will know how to navigate difficult times. It's amazing. There are some elements of the gospel that have been missing for about 1,800 years, and the church has never recovered them. And there's a reason that these elements are missing from the gospel because they really we should be preaching the gospel of the kingdom that's that should that should be uh, the parameters or the core guidelines of what we're supposed to be sharing with the world and interestingly there's wonderful ministries out there you know that are effectively sharing bits and pieces of the gospel of the kingdom. But too many times they're just focusing on particular elements and really they're, they're not connecting all the dots to understand, okay, then what does this mean as far as the kingdom of God? What does this mean about operating the kingdom of God? As a matter of fact, most people have absolutely uh, no understanding of what it means for us to live and dwell in the kingdom of God. And let me say this, I have a book called uh, heaven on earth that goes into this in great detail and shows you what Jesus was talking about in all of his parables that would teach us how to live victoriously in this world, no matter what was going on outside of us. Because the kingdom of God is something uh, that we participate in inwardly. And that's why nobody can take it away from us. Uh, uh, that no matter what we face, no matter what we go through, uh, this is this is something you know that's going to operate, that's going to function just, just like it's supposed to. And so, you know, uh, uh, everything we do here is about the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, no matter what we're teaching, it doesn't matter if we're teaching about grace. Grace has got to fit into Jesus' message of the kingdom. It doesn't matter if we're talking about faith. Faith has to be presented in a way that it is congruent with the message 
of the kingdom. Evangelism, worship, demonology, all of these different subjects, these are good subjects, but the moment you we begin to present these subjects outside of the boundaries of the kingdom of God, we don't mean to, but we actually diminish them, and we diminish the, the, uh, the ability of the believer to live as an overcomer, to live in absolute, in absolute victory, to walk in the power of God the way, you know, that we're supposed to walk the power of God. So I wrote a book called uh, uh, Heaven on Earth because, you know, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, they are, t- they are two aspects or dimensions of the same kingdom. And when, we're, when, when we are, when we know how to walk in the kingdom of God, we're able to function in the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven uh, reflects all of the resources of heaven that are available to us as a believer. And I'm telling you, about that, that's how I want you to live. I want you to walk through everything that's going on in the world right now. And, you know, other people may be panicking. Other people may be losing their mind. Other people may be living in fear and trembling. But I'm telling you something. I want you to be able to uh, enjoy and participate in access to every single resource that God has for you and know that uh, God's resources are not defined or limited by what's happening outside of you. It's all about what's happening inside of you. Now, you know, when when you look at troubled times like we're looking at right now, the problem is Uh, You know, we have to be realistic about what we're facing, but the real truth is it's more important to know how to overcome the, the times that we're facing than it is to understand why they're happening. You know, uh, 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 I say this, you know, you know, quite often, and and you know, the Bible indicates that our first response when something, uh, when something happens in our life, is to make sure that we maintain our footing. In the King James Version, it talks about, uh, it talks about, uh, you know, our footing being in the gospel of peace. Well, most people don't even know there is a gospel of peace. They don't know there's a covenant of peace, and they don't know that that's the basis. Uh, by which God does every single thing that he does for the human race right now because the covenant that Jesus established, uh, the Bible calls it the covenant of peace. Therefore, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. God the Father is the God of Peace. We are supposed to proclaim the gospel of peace. We are supposed to allow peace to rule and reign in our heart. We're supposed to live at peace with all men. I mean, it's, it's amazing how some of the cornerstones of the gospel are really not preached or not even considered significant by the mainstream orthodox religious body, if you will. And I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just, I'm just asking you, you know, when, when have you heard a message about the gospel of peace? When have you heard a message about the covenant of peace? When, you, when have you heard a, a message about how to let peace rule in your heart? When have you, you know, it's interesting, you know, we got people who have, who have spent decades teaching you how to fight the devil, but it's really interesting how the, how, uh, 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 the Bible tells us that it's the God of peace that subdues Satan under our feet. It's not, it's not the God of war. It's, it's the God of peace. Because as long as we have peace in our hearts with God, then I got news for you, then, then we can win any battle that's put in front of us. But <clears throat> so 
You know, Paul uh, told us in 1 Corinthians that one of the first things that we should do whenever we come into opposition, when we, when we face a struggle, when we face a battle, he says our feet should be shod with the gospel of peace. Well, in the Greek, it says something like this. It says having your feet shod with a readiness of mind that comes from a thorough preparation in the gospel of peace. Now, you say, well, well, what does that even mean? It means that, man, no matter what hits you, no matter how hard it hits you, no matter what it does you know, to the world around you, your first response should be to make sure that you don't lose your footing in the gospel of peace. In other words, God's at peace with me. God is not doing this. God is not causing this. God is not allowing this. I am at peace with God. Very few believers believe that. Very few believers believe that Jesus was enough to establish this covenant of peace so that we always have peace with God. Now, we may have things to deal with. We may have things that we have to work out in our lives, but that doesn't mean that we have lost peace with God. It doesn't mean that God has turned against us or that God's going to allow the devil to attack us or all of those kinds of things that religion has told you because you can't maintain your heart in peace if you believe God's against you, if you believe God's allowing bad things or causing bad things to happen to you. So you know, I always tell people your first response so many times in a crisis is really the most important response. You know, Brenda has always been a better driver than I am. And so, so uh, uh, now I'm a more strategic driver. Like I always know as a are there cars behind me? Are there cars beside me? Uh, the whole time I'm driving, I'm I'm checking the mirrors and I'm watching for people, you know, coming out of nowhere that might that, that might hit you and uh, uh, do you damage. Now, Brenda never did that. She wasn't as strategic as I was, but the truth is she had better reflexes than I did. Even if she didn't see it in advance, like I usually would, uh, the moment she saw a vehicle coming into our lane or something, man, I'm telling you, she responded incredibly. And, and you know, that's the way we need to be in life. In life, we need to respond incredibly, not ask a bunch of questions, not try to figure everything out, not try to understand everything that's going on, but we should make sure we respond in such a way that we lean into God, that we, we get our footing uh, uh, on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We hold on to. You know, the word repent's an interesting word. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those words that we usually only think about in light of repenting about sin, but really repentance is taught in the Bible as a way of life. You know, there's a lot of different terminologies like renewing your mind and, you know, those kinds of things. But the reality of it is repentance is an attitude that says, I am always ready to give up my opinion. And in every situation, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to turn toward and lean into God. In other words, connecting with God, reconnecting with God, making sure I'm in harmony with God. This is going to be uh, my, you know, my first response. And for many people, though, the first response is, uh, the first response is to start asking questions. Why is this happening to me? And, and then you ask judgmental questions. Why is God letting this happen to me? And so, so now you're, you're, you're already blaming God for what's happening to me. Uh, uh, what did I do wrong? You know, why does this always happen to me? Why is life so hard? Nah, 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 nah. And, so, and so people who, 
People who began asking questions would be like a soldier uh, being sent out on the battlefield, and, 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 and he and the other troops are walking across some field, and the enemy starts shooting at him. Well, I got news for you. You're not going to say, why are y'all trying to hurt me? Why are you shooting me? I'm not mad. I, I, I like you guys. No, that's how, that's how you get killed. The people that survive are the people who instantly uh, uh, take cover to protect themselves. Now, now, as believers, I'm telling you, it just amazes me how often believers get it wrong on the very first response. What should the first response be? Like I say, the very first response should be to come back to that place that says, I am at peace with God. God is not doing this. God is not against me. He's for me. I am the head. I'm not the tail. I'm above. I'm not beneath. God always leads me into triumph through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, where you immediately go back to that place where your heart finds stability in your connection with God. Now, one of the most interesting things that I've discovered about questions, of course, when people ask questions, they actually expose or reveal their beliefs that they, they may not ever ever admit to. They may, they may not have ever admitted them to themselves or, or admitted them to anybody else. But here's one of the problems with asking questions. First problem with asking questions is this, is if you ask the wrong questions, then it doesn't matter what the answer is it, it, it's not important. The answer is not important because you've asked the wrong question. You know, like I say, let, let's say somebody starts uh, uh, shooting at you. Let's say you're in the military and you're walking across the field. Enemies start shooting at you. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter why they're shooting at you. It doesn't. None of that matters. What matters is for you to take a step that sustains your life. Well, when you start asking all the why questions. You know, why does this happen? Why are they doing this to me? Why is life so hard? Why do Why is this? Why? Well, I got news for you that you're just standing up out in the open, exposed with no protection. And I got news for you. Your life is going to be absolutely destroyed in the process. And so, so you don't need to ask any questions. And like I say, you know, so many times when people are facing a crisis, I don't get a lot of this because most of the people that I work with are people who are becoming disciples. They're making the journey, uh, you know, of, of walking with God. They don't want to be codependent with God. They don't want to be codependent with me. They want to be able to make their own decisions. They want to be able to res respond to God properly in any situation without having to go to anybody else and, and, and get advice. But, but it, it, it always amazes me when the first thing a person does is when, when, when they start asking me or their pastor or other other leaders questions and there's nothing wrong with asking questions but when you go to another person before you go to god then i can promise you this number one you got some kind of codependent situation going on number two god is not your true source because uh, you know you're going to them for them to tell you what god has to say about your situation and and, and again that would be fine it's fine to go to people for help but your first your first thing has to be to 
to come back and stabilize your own heart and your own mind uh, in the peace of God and get yourself back to the place where you're not questioning God, you're not accusing God, you're not confused about what's happening, where you feel safe and at peace. You know, the word peace, by the way, is a really interesting word because uh, in the Old Testament, most people are familiar with the word peace in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word shalom. I don't remember the Greek word for it, but the, the definitions of the Greek New Testament word for peace and the definitions of the Old Testament word for peace are very, very similar. Now, the word shalom, or the word for peace in the New Testament, sometimes it will be translated as healed. Sometimes it will be translated as, as prospered. In other words, so many times the word peace in both the Old and New Testament has to do with the need being met. But it, it's bigger than that because it also has to do with having with being in a state of tranquility. You're not into fear. You're not you know, you're not going crazy. You're not losing your mind. You're not you're not freaking out. And so when you look at the full uh, aspect of what that word means, then you realize that that uh, when the Bible talks about peace. It's not just talking about having a tranquil state of mind. You know, you can be deceived about something and have a tranquil state of mind. You can have the wrong answer and have a tranquil state of mind. The peace of God that passes understanding, in other words, it passes the capacity for us to naturally calculate and, and, and add things up and reason things out. This peace is a peace where because you are connected to God and you believe what he has done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that you have become one with God. You have been born with, of God. You have been made righteous uh, you know, in Christ. Uh, uh, you believe that all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. You believe you're delivered from all the curses of the law because that's what we have in Jesus. When you believe those things, your tranquility, your your peace of mind is based on the fact that you are that you are provided for, that you are protected, that all the resources of the kingdom of God are yours now and you have access to them. You see, if you if, if you don't believe the new covenant, you will freak out, and I'm telling you, you will you, you'll start questioning, well, am, I really, am I even saved? Is the devil doing this? Have I done something wrong? Is God doing this to teach me something? You start asking all of these wrong questions, and, and these don't take you to tranquility. They don't take you to the finished work of Jesus. They just take you to more questions. So when you ask wrong questions then you always get wrong answers. No matter what the answer is, it's going to be wrong if it's the wrong question. And then when you get wrong answers, then you take wrong actions to try to solve your problems. So, you know, when we have something go wrong in our life, when our life seems like it's, going to, it's blowing up, when, it, when our life seems like it's coming apart, uh, we do not start out with questions. We start out with statements. And those statements are where we say what God says. We say what God says about 
uh, what Jesus accomplished for us through his death. We say what God says Jesus has given us and accomplished through his life. We say what God says is ours because we are seated at the right hand of God. In other words, all we do is immediately go back. We reaffirm our heart, and 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 really, then then in our heart we enter back into that dimension. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. All God's resources are here. All God's resources are mine. God is for me. He is never ever ever against me. Uh, so so. We don't, we, don't, we don't start asking questions. Now, once you get back to the place of peace, once you get back to the place of trouble, I mean, where you're out of, of, of a troubled mindset, then, yeah, then, then you start working on, okay, uh, how did I get in that situation? And by the way, let, let me just, just talk to you about, about this. The intellectual mind cannot answer questions of the heart. You know, the intellectual mind uh, serves to protect your ego because your ego is your false sense of self. It's your false identity. It is an identity that you have created by, by being right. And so your intellectual mind always seeks to prove that you are right so that you can feel good about yourself and feel good about who you are. Now, your heart, on the other hand, always seeks to, to keep you established in your identity. Now, let me put a little parentheses in here. If you have an uh, unscriptural sense of self, if you have a, 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 an identity that's not established in Christ, then, then you're going to have to do some heart work so that you can establish your identity in Jesus. But once your identity is established in Jesus, your heart always works to keep you in that sense of identity, to keep you in that place where you are immovable, where you are unshakable, where you do not move into the place of letting your heart be troubled. When you sense your heart being troubled, you know how to go back to your core. You know how to go back. You don't ask questions. You start making statements based on the finished work of Jesus that take you back to the place of peace. Now, <clears throat> uh, one of the tools, one of the most powerful tools of, uh, that are ever created is called heart physics. We have a 30-day life transformation program called Essential Heart Physics. And in Essential Heart Physics, you spend 30 days every single day establishing your heart, riding on your heart, developing your heart, so that you bring yourself to a place where you can hear and recognize the voice of God in your heart. And you know the difference between God speaking in your heart and you and your emotions speaking in your heart. And um, uh, at the end of 30 days... We don't, we don't promise you anything other than the fact that if you, if you work the plan, what you find is at the end of 30 days, you have a clearly established awareness of Christ in you. And so, you know, when you get in trouble, you don't want to be trying to find Christ in you. When you get in trouble, you, you don't want this to be the first time that you've ever made these kinds of deep connections. You don't want this to be the first time uh, that you've ever gone to, to battle with this particular armor. You know, uh, uh, when David went out to meet Goliath, uh, the king actually provided armor for him. So, 
So, you know, David, he when he was a shepherd out there, he had his rod, he had his staff, he had his sling and some stones and maybe a knife. And that was that was pretty much it. That, that's how he uh, that's how he defended the sheep from all the wild animals that would that would try to get in and and take them. So but Goliath char, uh, challenged the armies of the children of Israel and everybody was afraid to go out and face him. Uh, you know, David said, you know, I, 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 I'll go face this, this uncircumcised Philistine. Now, there was two or three things here that if you're not paying attention that you, you'll, you'll kind of miss. Uh, and I'm just going to highlight them. I'm not going to go into them teach on detail. But one of the things I want you to know is this. First of all, David had already killed a lion and a bear with his sling. So he wasn't going out and facing Goliath with unproven or untested weapons. Now, one of the things that I see happen so often is many people in day-to-day life have no sense of the importance of listening to the Holy Spirit, recognizing the voice of God, following the leadership of God. And so the, the truth is, when they have a crisis that comes into their life, they are trying to go fight this battle with, with, with unproven weapons, if you don't mind me putting it that way. In other words, if, you've, if you're not winning battles in day-to-day life through walking with God, if you're not walking in faith in the small things, and you come out and you have to face something that's life-threatening or, or something that, that, that's, that's more overwhelming or more overpowering than anything that you've ever faced, and the real truth is, you, you may not make it because, because you don't have confidence in what you're doing. But I got news for you. You know, when you're walking with God every day, when you're using the weapons of your warfare every day, and I'm not talking about screaming at the devil. Uh, I'm talking about binding and loosing, uh, which we will get into uh, sometime in the, next, in the next couple of messages. But uh, I tell you, when you've done this stuff with the little things and it works, then when you face overwhelming situations they're not overwhelming for you because you have tested uh, your faith you have tested what it is to go out and put this up practice so number one david uh uh he had tested his the weapons of his warfare and we need to test the weapons of his warfare secondly the king gave David some military armor and I think a sword and, and, and said, here, you know, wear this to go out and fight uh, this, this Philistine. And, and the thing is, this armor was untested. David had never fought a battle in this armor. Many times, whenever we face a situation, at, out of desperation and out of the last minute move, we will run to somebody and try to get them to teach us something. Like I say, that, that, that it's totally unproven to us. It's brand new to us. We've never put it into practice. We really don't know what it's like to walk out in daily life. And that's sort of like David, you know, putting on that armor. Now, he could have gone out there with that armor on. It could have cost him his life because he wouldn't have known how to move and how to live and, 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 and how to fight, you know, wearing that armor. There's another interesting thing with David. Uh, David was offered rewards. Uh, he was offered the opportunity to marry the king's daughter. 
Uh, he was offered the promise that he and his family would never have to pay taxes again. I don't remember what the other one was. But, you know, God created us in such a way that we are motivated by promises. And when we know that the promises are true, when we know that we can live in this realm called the kingdom of God and experience all of God's resources and all of God's promises, I got news for you. That is highly, highly motivational. So here's the deal. I want you to do this. I want you to, I want you to consider how you could start every day constantly yielding to and listening to God. And, and, I'm, and don't drive yourself religiously crazy, but start listening and recognizing peace in your heart and follow the peace in your heart about every single decision that you make. When you realize you don't have peace about a particular situation, then, 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 then don't do it. And so, so start learning how to live in peace. Number two, start using your faith to win daily small battles so your weapons of warfare will be proven. And number three, renew in your mind about all the promises of God so you will be highly, highly motivated by all the good things that God has for you. Listen, that's all I got for you today. Share this with some people. Be sure to be back with me next week. I am going to, I'm going to be building on this and I'm going to teach you how to live an overcomer's life. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.